Welcome to Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling, and ownership, especially for real estate agents and realtors. Hey, learn from the experts, guys. This is free land education. It's hard to find out there. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell. I'm an accredited land consultant, broker owner of LandPro Real Estate. Our office is at 207 East Main Street in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. Hey, we serve all your real estate needs in western Piedmont, North Carolina, and southern Virginia. Just give us a shout. We'll help you out. All of our shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute staff and members in our national websites, www.rliland.com. If you're thinking of buying or selling or investing in land or farms, go to this website anywhere in the nation. Find one of our 2,000-plus members or one of our almost 700 accredited land consultants, which we're highly trained, because uh, we know how to save you money or make you money. So make sure you check that website out before you call somebody who just got their license. knows nothing about land because there's no formal land education in our industry except for our life. Anyway, we'd like to thank our sponsors, LandHub.com. Buying or selling land, LandHub.com is the place to be. And AcreValue, if you want to know who owns the field down the road or what it sold for last year, the best place to research land, and it's all free, try AcreValue.com. It's a great site. Our guest today is Tommy Dalton. Welcome, Tommy. Welcome. Thanks, Lou. I appreciate it. And welcome to our forms committee. Um we, uh, I've been on it since 2008, so I think I'm one of the old guys been around. But uh, we have two, two forms committees in North Carolina, uh, one for residential brokers and one for commercial brokers, which lands under commercial, and that's why I'm on it. But uh, it's, uh, I think, I don't know these other states, but, boy, we got a lot of forms, don't we, Tommy? <laughs> we do, yeah, and I think that's a blessing, actually, Lou. No, no, I do, too. Uh, Seems like every time. Well, I think it's, it's good and bad, right? Yeah. So it helps guide us, but then keeps us out of trouble sometimes. It does. It seems like every time somebody burps, you know, uh, one of us gets an email saying, hey, can you change the wording on this particular paragraph? That's true. And then it's that a two-year process to uh, usually get that done because it goes through us. We make our recommendations, and then uh, uh, once a year we meet with the uh, Bar Association, and this is all volunteer. And that's one thing I love about our industry is uh, only people get paid are usually staff people uh, at these organizations and because uh, everything's volunteer committees. I mean, I've been on several over the years. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I wish Garth was around. I tell you what, he was a very special person, Garth Duncan. We lost him. He was great. A couple uh, of years. He, he was a great architect for a lot of the forms that we use yeah. and continue to look at especially in the commercial community. And, and not only that, Lou, I mean, he helped author a lot of the licensing information for, you know, new realtors that are getting, you know, getting And an licensed. instructor. Yeah, and an instructor for years. Great instructor. An instructor, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I had the privilege of uh, teaching my uh, four-hour class, which is the only land class in North Carolina on the subject of land. Actually, the only one I can find in the country in Charlotte for the Charlotte Commercial Board several years ago. And, uh, he had the morning session, and I had the afternoon session. And Cindy Chandler, <laughs> Cindy Chandler was across the hall, so I was in good company. You were an honored company, for sure. Absolutely. Um, let me get you introduced here, okay? You're the vice president of Phoenix Commercial Properties, an in industry-leading commercial real estate company headquartered in Raleigh, North Carolina, representing landlords and tenants, buyers and sellers, and commercial transactions. With over 30 years of rich experience in executive management, sales, marketing, and service and support over the 10 years specifically in commercial real estate, Tommy brings a unique blend to creative solutions, skillful negotiations, innovative strategies to meet his clients' goals. His uh, consultative approach is deeply valued, and he's dedicated to exceeding expectations and providing valuable insights to his clients. I think you do a lot more than that. Tommy Device. Background, device, diverse, I'm sorry, background includes serving in the U.S. Army. Thank you for your service. What did you do in the Army? Thank you. I was uh, infantry and combat medical specialist. Wow. I was National Guard and uh, had to go to OCS and, and moved to New York in between, and they didn't have a slot, so I only served, year, I served three of my six years, and I was an officer for one day. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> well, thank you. For that was my contribution. 
but um, uh, holding several leadership positions, startups and Fortune 100 companies and solid dedicated plus in commercial real estate sector. This experience coupled with extensive global travel and business degree in Campbell University. God, what a great school that is. Has shaped his business philosophy uh, for prioritizing people and uh, relationships. Originally from Northwest North Carolina mountains. Where were you in the mountains? I grew up in a little town called Sparta. Oh, I know Sparta. That's for the most part. One of the most a lot of family across the northwestern corner there from Ash to Allegheny to Wilkes to Wakaga to Yakin, Surrey, you name it. All right. that little corner of the state. Right there in the Blue Ridge, right uh, to what? Uh, Absolutely, little, yeah. A little over 100 miles north of Charlotte. If you come up 77, go up 21, uh, you'll be. That's it. Or 80, 77, and yeah, it takes you to Elkin, and you go on up, and you're right there. Anyway, um, he shapes philosophy, polarizing people and relationships originally from Northwestern North Carolina. Tommy moved to Raleigh in 97. How many stoplights you got in Raleigh now? Oh, my goodness. More we can count, and too many to stop me on the way home. I have four in my town. Uh, I have four in my town. <laughs> I yelled at all four of them. Uh, Pilot Mountain. Well, I'll tell you, in Sparta, we, we were fortunate in the mid-'80s to actually get another one, so that made two for us. All right. Uh, well, they did a nice restoration of downtown with the streets, street, street landscape and stuff. It's yeah. really... Yeah, they have. It's a great... It's, it's a beautiful it's a great town. Opera, um, great uplift for the town, and I hopefully encourage a lot more visitorship. That's a hot area up there. I've sold a lot of real estate over the years there in, uh, uh, in northern, northwestern... Uh, uh, County, up that way, Allegheny. Uh, Ridgely, yep. yep. Triangle area offers good southern meal and rich and diverse culture. Active community member. He volunteers uh, and quite a few organizations. I've got three pages of your resume. Uh, church, <laughs> which I do too. Knights of Columbus, great organization, and leads and promotes various charitable organizations. In his personal time, Tommy enjoys Attending local baseball, hockey games, traveling, hiking, and fly fishing. Well, you're an out, out, outdoor guy. You're a North I Carolina am. notary, Triangle Commercial Real Estate Association, Triangle Office Building Association, NIOP, that's an acronym uh, for the Commercial Industry Membership Committee, 2004 New Member Class Chair, Raleigh Association of Realtors, Raleigh Chapter Commercial Member, Raleigh Chapter Commercial Leadership Raleigh, 2009 North Carolina Real Estate Association, Commercial Committee Chair, Economic Development Committee, and Commercial Forms Committee with me. So uh, that's it. Keeps you, that's what I say. And this is all volunteer, right? It we, is. We yeah, all, a lot we, of volunteer work in our industry, and that helps a lot, I think, because uh, we get the opportunity to network among our peers and learn stuff from them at the same time. And uh, like you mentioned earlier, it's a staff that really keeps us rolling, and we kind of plug in the gaps when they need some work done, right? Yeah. So we've kind of got a little outline here that we want to kind of cover some points. It's going to be a great show. Um, one of them is uh, you as chair of the North Carolina Realtors Commercial Committee. I used to be on the uh, uh, NCRCA uh, board of directors, a board of governors, as we called it. I was a governor, right, for eight years and governor twice. Uh, I don't. That's not around anymore, is it? Didn't they change? Oh, that? what happened was. Right, yeah, they did um, that several years ago. Well, so they went to a committee, and then the North Carolina Realtors decided to advance the, um, what you were calling the Realtors Commercial Alliance. Uh, they wanted the RCAs to advance a little bit as well, and so they created this committee and uh, with, the, uh, with the idea of working together with the Economic Development Committee and the global uh, committee. You know, we have a lot of global members uh, without, throughout the state. And uh, so it's been a it's been a nice start, and you know we got started formally in January. But uh, we uh, have talked a lot about how the commercial committee is supposed to be formed and why the change was happening, and mm -hmm. uh, you know what the goals and sure. things are. So I appreciate all your service back then. Well, on thank the RCAs. you. I'm yeah, sure it was a lot of fun. Uh, quite a challenge, and um, I think over the years, it's uh, you know the, the whole idea is to keep engaging our commercial practitioners, and a lot of that's gotten an uptick. You know, from the, the NAR guys, and uh, especially with our partnership now with CTIM. Isn't that great? And uh, yep. it, it is great. I'm, I'm appreciative of, yep. of everybody.
he's orchestrated that together, and I think we're going to see a lot of benefit from it as a you know commercial brokers. Sure. And that that's part of what I'm, my role is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as the committee chair is this year is to try to figure out what the benefits are, you know, for uh, for commercial brokers within a within the a, NAR structure, and especially from NC realtors, right? What can they give? You know, how can we give value back uh, from the NC realtors to the commercial practitioner? I think. It's going to be a challenging year, and um, you know, getting the committee rolling and and, and uh, moving, and, and in cooperation with, uh, like I said, the EDP guys and then the global guys. I think it'll be a really good uh, year this for uh, for NC Realtors. Yeah, it's. Um, I know uh, the late Tony Rickard, who was uh, on our uh, North Carolina chapter at the time. It's North Carolina, South Carolina Realtors Land Institute. We have 18 chapters nationwide. Some of them are whole states like Texas and Florida because of their size. And then we combined a couple of states out west. I think there's like five states. It's one chapter. Makes it kind of hard when you want to have a meeting. But <laughs> but um, uh, <laughs> he had been on our board and left and called me up. I was president of our chapter in oh, this 2000. I don't remember now. Uh, and uh, said, I want to get back on the board. And I said, great, come on. And he said, I'm going to be the president of the uh, state CCIM chapter. So he was president of CCIM AFC, and he instigated NAR, uh, RLI, creating a fast track because we had, at the time, 12 two-day classes, one a three-day class, uh, and uh, wanted to give the CCIM uh, agents a chance to get their ALC without having to take six courses and uh, doing a lot of the stuff that we have to do to get that prestigious ALC. And then... uh, uh, I heard last year, I think it was last year, year before last, uh, time, time flies when you're 74, but uh, he, uh, uh, there was a group that got together and they reciprocated. Uh, so now if you're uh, uh, ALC, now you can do a fast track with CCIM and get your designation. And I think that's probably one of the that's hardest right. designations, isn't it? Yeah, that's one of the, I mean, it's one of the ones that, you know, every industry's got something you need to have as a professional kind of, um, you know, merit or designation to help you stand out from other folks. I know, um, you know, it's PMP for a while, Project Management Institute, and uh, back in the day when it's in corporate America. And that was kind of a, a designation of, of, like, you knew what you were doing kind of thing. And so CCIM is no different. Um, I, I once had a client say when he went into um, any kind of uh, conference or luncheon or whatever it was, he always looked for the guys with the red badges because they knew what they are talking about. Right. Um, and he, he was referencing the CCIM badge, you know. So um, I thought that was a pretty uh, insightful on his part that he would, he would, you know, single those guys out. But that gives you, the, that kind of tells you in the industry, you know, when people really know that, um, you know, that's a, it's a nice designation to have. I'm on track to try to work towards mine this year. I, um, you know, we have a, a, one of the brokers in our office is um, getting ready to take his test. And so we work All right. luck for that next sure. month. Sure. Neither is the ALC, I can tell you. They just raised it from $10 million in sales to $30 million, So it's weeding out and just yeah. getting the top people. But, uh, well, and I think that's true. I mean, you have to set the bar a little bit, especially, you know, the way sales are Yeah, going. and, and, you know, and land selling for higher. So. Land selling is crazy what land prices are right now. It's, and they just keep – I'm afraid to put a damn price on something anymore. afraid I'm going to leave money on the table. <laughs> So. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I, I I ran some numbers just looking at stuff earlier for a client. I just happened to think about our call and ran some stuff for the state, and I can share with you guys later. But sure. it, I was just floored from CoStar what the data was. So uh, pretty interesting. Yes, times are changing. They sure are real fast. But anyway, uh, we're going to take a little break here. Uh, our guest this morning is Tommy Dalton. And this is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank your sponsors, LandHub.com. All shows can be found on LandHub.com. Uh, view thousands of properties for sale. And also, AcreValue uh, is the only website that I need to do to research land. It's a great website. Tommy, you know, uh, being a commercial broker and with your experience, uh, there's a lot going on, uh, at least in the news, uh, about the commercial real estate. Uh, sector and uh, uh, you know with these uh, notes coming due uh, 
isn't it? I, I'm not real familiar with the way the financing structure is. Maybe you can talk about that. I mean, you go buy a home normally; it's a 30-year mortgage, but when you buy a commercial property, it's a little different, uh, different uh, terms. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the things that's uh, affecting this this uh, potential problem that's coming up. I don't know how else to describe it. But I'm going to turn it over to you and let's let's uh, let the audience yeah, start uh, from the from a real commercial broker here. So if you own commercial property, you want to tune in on this one. Go ahead. It's interesting, Lou. I mean, it, the, there's data all over. You can find in all kind of publications and uh, magazines, newspapers, the internet. Um, but you, you hit the nail on the head. I think we're definitely not out of the woods yet. I think the uh, challenge, if you own some commercial property or you're trying to buy it, is there's still a lot of tightening um, or restrictions between uh, you know true commercial lending or debt equity as, as they would try to do it. There's a lot of private equity coming in to, to our market to, to buy up properties. Um, I mean, North Carolina, for example, has had one of the largest foreign investments, um, almost 51% uh, foreign investment into our state. Really? And you know, a lot of those countries are um, you know, China, Germany, the UK, and India are really the top four. Right. And so you think about that, and that's really private equity money, not a debt equity. So when we think about what's going on with uh, the you know economy, and um, you know where we're at and where we're headed, uh, a lot of predictions for this year, you know, 2024, are basically going to have it rather flat and, and almost uh, not too uh, you know release it. Then you read another article that say that we're not going to head for a recession, but it'll be they're going to ease it and then you know, try to have a soft landing and. Read another report; it'll say, you know, something along the same lines, but maybe conflicting. So essentially, what happened was uh, a lot of, um, you know, financing that would be provided by larger banks or REITs or insurance companies or you know, ever how these guys would put a capital stack together. A lot of that dried up, and so you had to figure out how do we do this? You know, do we get preferred equity? We get private equity? We you know, try to move forward, and so what happened is that that's put a damper on a lot of uh, construction, what a lot over, of development. Tommy, what over You're period of time? That now, and yeah. so so of our, our our bigger cities, right? What what period of time is that? You're talking the last two years, three years, five years? I'd say is... the last two years. Okay, so last this is two years, and um, we are going to continue, I think, to see that this year, in just my opinion, and uh, we are also looking at a lot of. A lot of stuff is built that way with multifamily, but you know, then we have the um, uh, CMBS loans, you know, the commercial uh, back security loans, and so they're going to be coming due. A lot of those are getting ready to come due here this year, and so I think you're going to see um, how are those going to be, uh, you know, man managed. Are they going to refinance them somehow, restructure them? Are they going to bring in another partner? And so that's all going to uh, basically play into that. In the last several years, we've seen some of the larger commercial developers and owners of commercial properties, um, especially here in North Carolina, actually give back the properties to the banks. And the banks don't want them. You know, right, they, sure. they have to turn around and sell them for much, much less. We've also seen a lot of valuations get reduced on properties, uh, especially in the metro areas. You know, we're talking about New York, Chicago, Atlanta, and those kind of places. But that trickles down into North Carolina, too. And so we... Um, for example, here in the Raleigh market, just this past uh, couple of weeks, we've had a tax assessment or a tax adjustment, rather, and you've seen one of the largest, um, you know, act, very active uh, shopping centers here in our market get devalued by almost 40, I think 47, 47%. Really? That's huge. That, but like Crabtree no, Mall? And that's no, that, that, what's that? Like Crabtree Mall? <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Then we've seen another one actually uh, go up in value, right? And so what I saw a, a really cool article on uh, just the other day is that um, North Carolina, or in, in Raleigh specifically, we just had a building that got valued. Uh, now it's tax assessment, right, is, is $1.5 which we've never crossed into the billion mark before, And so, as far as they know. And so you see this is all over the map and depending on where it's at. But I think the financial markets are not going to let up. Um, I do think it's going to still be tightening. I think some of the development's still going to be curtailed until uh, you know a year or so from now. And uh, we all hear this kind of joke about survive until 25. But I, I think it goes a little bit deeper. 
remember from economics, your economics class, so if you, if you can remember that far, <laughs> um, is, is the, the Phillips curve, right? Yeah, I remember that Basically, now. Yeah, the Phillips curve was a kind of a big thing about uh, unemployment and inflation, you know, move uh, separately, right, or, or inversely. So in other words, you know, unemployment should rise, I think it is, when inflation is coming down like it is now. But the problem with that is, you know, you look at the, the way the, the, the Federal Reserve and, and uh, Jerome Powell's looking at it, it's, they're looking at wage increases are now exceeding the rate of inflation and productivity. So now what do they do, right? So I think yeah. they're going to have to monitor it for a little while longer. I don't see rates coming down anytime, you know, in the next quarter or so, maybe just a half a, you know, maybe a half a basis point or whatever, but nothing severe like it used to be. So the other challenge, too, is now that, as you know, prices have risen, you know, in everything that we have, all commodities, all gas and groceries and, um, you know, clothes or whatever you name it. And those prices aren't going to come down just because the economy has gotten, you know, righted. Those prices are going to continue to be up there, so the wages have to match that. So it's not going to go away anytime soon. That's just kind of my uh, my personal opinion. Fifty dollars an hour. That's what they want to do in one state. It's just nuts. That's it. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, kind of crazy. Something that reflects. I know I'm a land person, but I, in commercial land too, I'm sure that that has gone up. I mean, I've seen comparables on some of the because I have a, you know I, I'm a not a residential. I don't know what I am. But I get involved in the you know the small town the little building you know the whatever but but um, uh, but even the commercial land prices uh, have followed the um, the rural uh, development prices too uh, you've seen that I'm sure especially in the Raleigh area carrying up that way and then you know sure. I, I saw something too that was hurting the housing market the, the trend they started a couple years ago with these investors uh, that you're talking about coming in and buying a whole subdivision. And then turning around and renting it, right. renting it, uh, you know, yeah. and uh, that 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 hasn't there's helped. There's been a lot of trends. Yeah, there's been a lot of trends starting. Right, there's been a lot of trends there um, with that, and that's called build to rent. And so, what these uh, larger companies now are figuring out a way to make money. The builders are losing money on traditional subdivision, right? Right. So how do you do that? So they get financed uh, to go out and do these big uh, build to rent subdivisions, and there's several here in the Raleigh market that are coming out of the ground. And some of them have finished already. And every single one of them are, are rental homes. Unbelievable. Boy, I tell you what. Yeah, and I think we're going to continue to see that. And this is kind of a new trend going on. I know uh, I help a lot of investors. I, I investor as well. And, you know, for the longest time, we, we saw, like, the fix and flip kind of thing come into play. We right. saw the, you know, you, you buy it, you renovate it, you rent it, you know, you re- rinse and repeat kind of thing. They call it the burr thing. We've seen, um, you know, all kind of uh, uh, syndications come into play. You, you know, you would come out and get friends to jump in with you to do these things. This is not a trend. The other thing that's popular right now is the uh, um, uh, office to uh, conversions to apartments or to multifamily. And that sounds great on, on paper, but it, the, the cost for that is, out, is, is sometimes not equal to the, you know, the cost benefit. And not, not only that, not every office building that's vacant right now is eligible to do that. You have to, you have to figure in: is it going to meet, you know, uh, plumbing, for example, just as a thing, and then water and plumbing, and then access to it, and uh, is the core of the building on the inside or is it on the outside? You know, so there's a lot of things into that. So why there's a cry for more housing, you know, and, and turning these spaces into you know, livable spaces, it's really not as easy as it sounds. I think that's, we're going to probably continue to see some of these trends for, you know, the next couple of years. You were speaking of office buildings, but, you know, I've seen, I know here uh, in the Winston area, a lot of the R.J. Reynolds buildings, you know, they've converted to uh, mm-hmm. to biotech, but they're also taking some and making apartments out of them. These old manufacturing yes. with the old floors, and I mean, we've even, they've done them up in Mount Airy, too, uh, with uh, Spencer Mills and I mean, they made some very, you know, very incredible properties. I remember back, oh, God, before I got my real estate license, I was selling numismatic coins, uh, certified coins to the financial planners. And, and of course, I was dealing with the the, finance, the uh, insurance people, too, and got involved with one group out of Kansas that was doing tenants in common. They were doing the rehabs, uh, the old Smata buildings out there, uh, textile buildings, and and uh, getting the tax credits, of course, TR-86. I got my 24 license, and 
a month later, uh, TR-86 took effect, so it disallowed it. Uh, oh, God. Timing, so it, it, timing's everything, right? About the conversions, I, I saw an article today, actually, about shopping centers. So there's a, a, an unbelievable amount, and I don't I'm on top of my tongue here, but there was, uh, it was staggering the amount of, uh, you know, in our business, Lou, we, we kind of classify uh, office buildings or buildings in A, B, C, or D, you know, right. D being the worst. And, sure. And so there's a lot of C-class and D-class shopping centers out there that are vacant or the tenancies are going away, and they're actually using them a lot for they don't have a they don't need a parking lot as it used to be large, right? Right. You think about um, you know Crabtree Mall here or, or or Triangle Town Center or Haynes Mall if you're away, or even over in Greensboro or down in Charlotte, for example, those big ones they have these massive parking lots, right? Yeah. So what they're doing now is looking at those to uh, maybe convert them into half of the mall becoming um, multifamily and then taking up the rest of the parking lot space to also build other multifamily units. And so we're start. I think we're going to see that That's interesting. Uh, continue um, in, in the next couple of years. So it's like the commercial out parcels. You know, you always build a shopping center and then take part of the parking lot and you sell those out at a much higher price, obviously. It's like selling a lot versus selling 100 acres. And uh, That's so right. it That's sounds right. like it's highest and best use. Uh, methodology is is changing. Yeah, I had some. Uh, you were talking about land earlier. I, I, I talk about pricing and things. I, I ran some pretty staggering statistics today through CoStar, and I was just right out of the database. Um, I did a. I just did a quick search for a client earlier, and I thought I'd play around with some numbers for today's show. Sure. So I ran basically Q4 of 23, and what's the you know Q uh, quarter to date right. here in 24. So out of that, there were 940 properties that had sold, um, and the volume for that um, was uh, 634,508,000. Uh, that was the sales volume. How would that relate more, more to a year earlier? About that was the, the, yeah, so that was across the whole state now. Okay. Uh, what's more fascinating about that, though, is $460,000 to $3.1 million was 45% of that volume. So right in the middle, um, you know, between 460 to you know, 3 million was the sales prices for these 940 properties. Um, and that was that was staggering to me because I, that just means that land is, is being bought and sold and, and for specific purposes. Now, who are the top buyers for that, right? Who, who, would, who would you think, Lou, is, is actually remarkable to me. And that's just coming from CoStar again. So, right. you know, recovered in our commercial. Well, that's database. reliable. That's but reliable. UNC Health. Yeah. I have no idea. UNC Health is one of them. Which one? Yeah. So they're one of the largest buyers, multifamily buyers. Uh, we have a lot of multifamily uh, developers that are buying property up and then a lot of the residential properties. But then um, someone like Vulcan Materials, right, who are buying uh, sites for industrial sites or mining. And um, so I think it's it's interesting to see you know who those buyers really are, and uh, but it's still um, it's still like you just said the price of land has went up, and um, it's it's not going to come back down. I think in, in commercial land especially is is shot off the roof. Um, I mean when you're looking at you know 130 or 140 dollars, you know 140,000 dollars an acre in some of these places, it's it's truly remarkable. We're going to take another break, Tommy. This is Tommy Dalton, our friend this morning. And uh, this is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank our sponsors, LandHub.com. All this LandHub.com, sell your land, land of your dreams. And, of course, AcreValue, our sponsor today. Boy, that's an incredible site. You, uh, you can do comps on there now, too, uh, which is interesting. You can do for sales and comps all over the nation. That's AcreValue.com. Great site. Well, that was interesting information there, and we'll touch on that a little bit more, Tommy. Um, I'm just kind of curious uh, of your perspective of how the commercial broker's job and their knowledge in terms of education is is changing as we're talking about this economy changing in terms of commercial property uh, and maybe give some insight of where you think maybe uh, uh, the role of the commercial broker, because I think you know, I know in the residential, Zillow and a lot of these others, they want to get rid of us. Uh, I mean, that's the room. I mean, you know, that's the rumor out there, and I guess it kind of keeps NAR on its feet. So, is anything shaking up and shaking down and 
Chicago that might uh, that you're observing or this new commercial uh, board that we've moved from the NCRCA um, commercial board to the new commercial board uh, that, that you know that's part of that transition too it is it is and I think um, you know we I had a great opportunity to attend uh, last September in Atlanta the uh, NAR's uh, commercial summit uh, with partnership with the CTIM guys and we got some uh, great education there uh, got to network a lot we got to listen to you know what's current what's going on we uh, got a lot of uh, uh, speakers that were there which is really great and um, uh, the one thing that I picked up though is you talked about education earlier I think the commercial brokers as a, as a whole is going to get a lot more recognition and uh, what I mean by that is that we're going to end up um, happen to prove our value a whole lot more uh, than we used to have to do that. So in order for us to do that, we need to start uh, marketing more. And uh, traditionally in the commercial real estate space, if you will, um, you know, we don't market or advertise similarly as some of the residential friends that we have. And I think that's got to change. I think so you're seeing that now with a lot of the bigger brokerages and even our, our size, you know, 10-person boutique brokerage. You know, we're starting to see us embrace uh, technology, social media. You know, we're, we have a podcast here at Phoenix that, saw that. I just posted a guest on, on Tuesday, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we do uh, YouTube videos. We have, uh, you know, you're starting to see uh, posts on Instagram. And the real successful ones are, you know, branched out into TikTok and those kind of things. So you have two different forms of branding there, right, which is the firm itself and then the, and the broker itself. And it's very much going to line up to what the residential For our dinner, aren't we? Exactly. We're going to have to work for our dinner, and we're going to have to get we're going to, have to prove our value a little bit. Yeah. And that means we've got to really get into economic development. We've got to get into our our civic leadership to understand what's going on in our in our market. We're going to have to really know our numbers. Um, you know, we have to really know what our you know what financing options are to help clients. Um, you know, we're going to have to have uh, a, a kind of a I don't want to say jack of all trades, but more of a Swiss Army knife approach to like, hey. If you guys need to talk about attorney, I got a great one. But you know, here I can speak about these two things. But you know, let's go verify that with an attorney. Sure, you have to have those folks in your in your contact database and and be able to refer them. Um, and so I think that's really what I see that is changing. Uh, you're not going to be able to just to kind of sit back and put a sign up and in front of a commercial building and uh, you know attract uh, you know you know tenants that are calling the number. You're going to have to get out there and and, and do some do some good legwork. And not only do that, once you get the client and you're in front of them, you're going to have to prove to them that you're the expert and you know what you're saying and you know the market. And so they're going to be comfortable, you know, spending their dollars with you. Sounds like it's going to weed out a few brokers. Which we will. Well, well which we need. We always need of, that. Uh, we always need that. You know, it's sales 101. That's what I always tell folks, right? Um, you know, we, we have to work for our money and or work for our, our living, rather. And, um, the, you know, the whole idea is not to go 
No, that's very clear. Building the client, you know, yep. personally, know who they are, know what their needs are, what their requirements are, right? And um, that's how I like to try to, you know, distinguish myself as a as a voice of the customer in that old term that we use. Well, that's very refreshing, and I hope that uh, comes about. Uh, it's uh, I know. Uh, you know, my, my beef, and that's why I have this radio show, which, by the way, I donate. Uh, the station charges me every month. My uh, sponsors uh, don't pay me. <laughs> they do back-end. Landhub does all the production after the show's done. Putting it on the Spotify, Podbeam, and the master website, and then they do social media. And uh, so that's I bartered that out. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I've got fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 over the seven years now uh, that I've been doing this, and it, it's, just, it's a give-back thing. But the reason I do it is because I recognize there's no land education out there, and there is, but it's, it's few and far in between. But in our curriculum, uh, historically, uh, it, uh, the 100, 180 hours that I think is required here in North Carolina, in each state's a little different and their requirements, and, uh, but uh, they... Uh, it's tort law and 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 and, and licensing, uh, you know, and it's uh, they have very little time to devote to our what we call specialties, and um, and in that say right. in saying that it's uh, uh, I know the couple of my agents uh, that just got their license here in the last couple of years they'd come back and say you know that class I took they throw a slide up there that says land is the most complicated of all real estate transactions. And then you ask the instructor why, and the instructor says, well, it just is, uh, you know, because I've offered the commission, you know, just to come in and do a five- or ten-minute dissertation of some ideas. There's 11 different types of easements, you know, timber's worth something, soils yeah. are important, you know, uh, 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 subdivision laws, that's that's the rules, that's the monopoly rules of how you play the game. I mean, uh, right. th these things complicate, and commercial is even, even more involved, uh, I would say. I'm not a commercial person per se, but just uh, my friends like you, it's uh, you guys. You guys earn your living, I can tell you, <laughs> and you have to wait a lot longer sure. too. You know, it may take two or three, four or five I, I years. You're, uh, yeah, you're right about you're right about waiting for sure. And, and I would just interject here too. I mean, we do, uh, and you know this too, working with with land, Lou, probably more better than I do. But the idea is that um, you know we have to actually. If somebody were to come to me and say, hey, I want to put up this commercial building on this, you know, acres or whatever that's vacant, you know, we have to do a lot of homework to find out if that's true or not. So not only just the zoning, but what are the deed restrictions on the land? You know, what can be done with the land? What's infrastructure? You know, are there water rules? Are there, are there new agricultural districts that are now in place that right. we have to learn about? You know, what's the change of use? You know, what capacity do they have? Water and sewer and um, you know, is it is it going to be designated? Uh, you know, is there enough setbacks from the highway? I Green mean, space. All kind of things that go <laughs> into that, right? Utilities and, um, you know, wetland delineation. And I can just go on and on and on. Oh, yeah. I think from a commercial, um, the, you know, commercial brokerage point of view with land, we get asked a lot more of, of like, hey, I see this vacant lot. I want to, I want to build this building on there. And so we have to sit down and, and really do some educate them. Uh, digging and sure. yep, educate them on, on why you can't do that or why you can or here's what it's going to cost. And then, you know, and also if it needs to be rezoned, what that process is. Um, you know, we, we're going through uh, the sub, I am, I'm working on two projects right now that are residential. So trying to educate uh, the investors on, you know, why do we have to get it rezoned and then start the subdivision drawings then go into construction drawings and, you know, what it means to have a pad-ready site, um, you know, and what the value of pad-ready versus raw land where the trees are still on it, you right. know, why there's a pricing difference between that. So sure. there's a lot to it, I think, on, the, on our side, and, and um, it is, uh, I think, education is needed, especially in land, and so I appreciate all the stuff that you're doing and well, thank try you. to get that out. I thank you. That, uh, there is a lot more that can be done for sure. Well, you know, and I appreciate exactly what you're saying, and it sounds to me like, you know, a smart commercial broker would actually be going out and finding sites before they're even on the market and doing some thumbnail and creating a portfolio that when they have a client that's, uh, I know Tony Rickard used to be, and there's a lot of realtors, uh, I don't know if they're still doing it, but some of your chains, especially your food chains, well, not all, your, all the chains and stuff, you know, they would assign a commercial broker, and they say, look, we're going to open up 30 stores in 
eastern North Carolina in the next two years, we need sites. And they already have the criteria uh, set up. We need this traffic out. We need in right, outright, whatever it is. Uh, you know, uh, so many square footage, uh, demographics. Uh, you know, and you know, has that changed? I mean, that's still the basic uh, formula that you guys it's, use. It's still the basic. Yeah, I think what we see change mostly is is with the proliferation of data from our cell phone. Our oh yeah. Is now we're getting into. Um, the ability to tap into databases uh, through certain providers that show um, how many people are coming to this particular space or, yeah. the, or how many people are traveling down this road. So we can look a lot more deeper into the demographics and see, like, hey, this might be a great place for, you know, a, a, a discount store provider. I won't give the names, but let's say, you know, they're popping up everywhere, right? Sure. And so, but then we can basically, as a site selector, we, you know, when we get charged with those kind of assignments, you know, is this the right place? I mean, it may not be traveled that much. Well, we can look at the DOT data that shows us how many vehicles per day. And the growth then we can also turn around and look at the cell phone data to say, hey, here's how many folks are traveling between here and there on this particular road or that particular district or even in, in town. And, um, you know, how many times they're sitting at stoplights, which is really fascinating. You know, then there's, there's the ability of um, is the town or the city or the municipality that you're working with going to allow that particular um, thing, or do they have a different, uh, do the current, you know, administration or the leadership of that town have a different uh, idea for what needs to be there? Right. So, for example, we've, we've gotten conversations where one of our projects where we went into it with a single-family home with uh, some commercial out parcels, you know, just a small 10,000-square-foot little strip center or something like that, and because uh, it's out in the rural area, well, well you know, the, the the county came back to us and said, "Hey, love your plan. Um, we would like for you to actually increase the density and go from single-family homes to townhomes. Do you think that's possible?" And of course, our mouths dropped because we're like, "Oh yeah, that's that's, that's great, but that's not you know, we weren't originally planning for." Well, that doubles our profit, right? Sure. I mean, think about it; it helps a little bit. But the idea of them to come back and ask us that and say, we'd like to see it be used this way instead of what your plan is, I think we're seeing that more on the commercial side, uh, specifically with infill projects. So infill meaning that there used to be a building there or there was a house there or it's fallen down or now it's just vacant land. And, you know, someone may want to put up a car dealership, you know, a small dealership, right? And you go and try to get a business permit for that or you try to get them to rezone it for that or whatever and they say no we don't want to we don't want cars in that area we'd right. rather it have a you know a restaurant or something like that so you see a lot more uh, from a commercial side a lot more oversight on what's going on in the infill space um, so that's kind of a roundabout way to answer your question no that's fine i know, <clears throat> I know uh, a couple of things on my side of the fence uh, for years the soil scientists which have degrees obviously um, you know <clears throat> have not been allowed to write permits for the counties but yet they have kids that they hire and train them for three weeks, and they send them out to do uh, soil tests for septic systems in the rural areas. Well, the state is now allowed, and this is news news, uh, that, uh, that the uh, soil scientists can now write the uh, permits for just like the county can. Uh, and the other news news is that the, uh, the uh, governor last year uh, mandated that all the counties go back and look at their subdivision laws and try to make them more equal in terms of, I know we went from, uh, in this area, we went from a half-acre rural lot to a minimum of one acre, and they were even talking about two acres. <clears throat> of course, we yelled about that, but, uh, you know, but, uh, and, and, and I think all this stuff is good. Uh, you know, I know it's big brother stuff, but i uh, got another question, too. I'm going to switch, switch here. Uh, artificial, sure. with all the stats, just to give you a little background, there's a beautiful young lady, well, no, from her picture, she's beautiful, very talented young lady from Australia that was on my show last year. And I picked her out because uh, she uh, she was uh, buying and developing rural land. And, uh, and I said, how did, how did you get there? She said, well, uh, my partner and I uh, started uh, doing flipping in houses in Australia. And she said, <clears throat> the information in Australia, we only get about 10% of the information uh, that you guys can get. Uh, in the United States, and we studied other countries around the world, looking for you know uh, receptive uh, 
environments where we could build a business and we ended up in the United States and we started off with flipping houses and down in Florida and the agent says hey you, you know there's one they worked on she said that they uh, it's two years people stole the equipment people wouldn't work she said by the time we got through we lost money and she said this is not <laughs> what we want to do and he said well why don't you get in the land and uh, they've they've uh, they've brokered over 6,000 properties uh, around the country going to these old subdivisions and picking them up for a dime and, and you know but they do a tremendous amount of research and that's my point in this in this part of our conversation uh, is that with this technology like I just told you off air about uh, my buddy Dr. Apperfield uh, has been on the show a couple times up in Wisconsin uh, they're being they're they're beta right now on an environmental site it's got 71 layers overlays on it uh, you know, it's crazy the information, and, and a lot of these people have been on my show from different degrees. But uh, uh, I'm just, I, I think we're crunching all this information. Yeah, I think AI is going to help is, that. Is you know, putting together these presentations and get, and putting together, you know, like you said, well, we go in with one plan and we get to the town and they want us to do something else and. You know, you might as well throw that plan in the garbage. Well, you may want to go in with a couple plans that's not quite as, uh, you know, involved or maybe as involved that maybe takes you the same amount of time. It's all about time now, isn't it? Everything's time. It, it really is. Time, and time is, is money, that old saying, right? I think you see it a lot more. Um, you bring up some great points about the, the what we call commercial real estate tech, right, and uh, our CRE tech space. And you're starting to see a collaboration of uh, artificial intelligence enter into the, a lot of these really? uh, things. I know we, um, we're going to see that in our industry a lot more, I think more specifically around the valuation side, maybe on the appraisal side. Um, but first, but I think we're going to see where um, there's already companies out there that are trying to put together, um, like you just talked about with your friend in Wisconsin, is like they're trying to put together these um, databases where they can, within a few questions, you know, ask a, a, an interface or AI, if you will, um, interface of, can this land support a car wash? Right. And they're going exactly. to get back an answer or maybe even the zoning codes or from the Uniform Devo Development Ordinances, the quote or the paragraph, you know, the, the requirements, the setbacks. I mean, so we're going to see that, I think, as a tool that we're going to be able to buy as a, a subscription, really, for uh, brokers to use. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of those are being developed now. A lot of them are going to continue. But the other thing that we're going to see AI, though, is around the marketing. And I think that's really where yeah. we're going to see um, it start pushing out, uh, you know, different algorithms for different kind of properties and uh, see it. But I think from a from a broker's perspective, um, transaction uh, information will be uh, a lot in the AI, especially in the residential world. You're going to see artificial intelligence enter that space and make that transaction easier, um, especially when they have, you know, e-notary going on. Obviously, North Carolina, we're a deep state, so we have a lot of notaries and stuff. But, um, you know, those areas where uh, that could be a, the transaction could be easier, we're going to see that also from a um, online portal that maybe the municipalities can use to simplify the, the permitting process or the uh, – uh, like you were just talking about earlier, you know, approving the plans, you know, how can we do this quicker and how can we get more homes built faster? Well, then stop slowing us down. Yeah, exactly. Department, that's really the <coughs> regulations. Well, it takes – exactly, regulations. And so it takes resources that, you, that equate to people today that maybe in the future could be AI-driven that would require the same amount of staff as today but they get twice the work done, you know. So that's my prediction and my, my crystal ball, if you will, of kind of seeing where we're going to head with AI in our commercial space. There's other things, but I think those, you know, relate to our topic yeah. today is kind of where I see. Well, you know, I, I've stuck with land because I did uh, development in North Carolina. As long as you stay 10 acres or more when you subdivide, you don't have to get the government involved, and then you can do, based on your <coughs> subdivision ordinances in that particular jurisdiction, you know, they may let you do three lots, five lots, okay? which are your road frontage lots, and then do your, your development in the back. But I did a couple just lot surveys when I first started, and I did one <clears throat> in Danbury. Had a million dollars in the ground uh, with uh, circle lots, half-acre circle lots on three little mountain ranges on 46 acres uh, in downtown, and uh, got all the way down to getting the uh, plat signed by the planning board 
that was the final thing. Ready to put the signs up, ready to market it, right? Couldn't get a quorum. Well, come back next month, Mr. Jewell. Okay, come back the next month. Sorry, Mr. Jewell, we don't have a quorum. This went on in the third month. I went and I said, look, this has got to stop. Come on. I need one signature right here. This is 90 days. The cost of a million dollars, you want to pay the interest on it? No. We'll get somebody over here. Well, there's a lady that said she wants to be on our committee. We'll get her over here. And they called her, and she came over. They swore in, and he signed the daggum thing. I, I can't deal with that. I mean, I, I don't have the patience. <laughs> I, do, I don't know how you guys do it. I just want to. I think you were going to tell me you took her out to dinner so she could well, go over there and sign it. Um, I took care of her. <laughs> no, I didn't really. <laughs> But I, I did. No, but I, I did think. think I think to your point, though, your point's valid. Is that totally. you know, a lot of these planning departments that um, will slow things down, and they do slow it down. I think permitting. I mean, we have to deal a lot, as you know, with the Corps of Engineers. Right. And um, every county has a Department of Water Quality. Then yep. you've got the North Carolina Department of Water Quality. You've got, um, you know, the not only that, the soils, and you know, all these. Environmental things. We, you know, we get all these environmental surveys done, and sometimes you get the brownfield sites, and those got to be dealt with. I mean, so there's a lot of complications that people don't realize when they just look at a piece of land and say this is a great place to put a building, um, and it does slow it down. And I think, and, and how do we speed that up? How do we get more multifamily, you know, places built? How do we get more subdivisions put on the ground? And I think looking at it as a whole, like the state was just doing with. How do we bring down the requirements for, you know, an acre of land? And, you know, all of us have this, what's called, you know, what is it, R10, R1 zoning, whatever it is, where, you know, one house per 40,000 square feet or one house per acre, whatever you want to say. Uh, and those are mostly in the rural section. Right. Because of the requirements for. Well, you don't have the infrastructure. Well and, you don't have the infrastructure. Right. You don't have the infrastructure. And so where you do, where you could get the infrastructure from and it's available, um, you know, why do, why do we need that zoning? Why can't we bring it down to a quarter of an acre and you know, put more, more homes there? And a lot of it really comes down to, like you just talked about infrastructure. Do, do the towns have the tax base to improve the infrastructure there or increase capacity? Um, you know, we see, uh, you know, we see these deserts, if you will, of, of utilities where, you know, they just stop because they can't go any further, either geographically or with rock or another river or something you just can't pull to her that way or water that way and so but then that's okay but then these other places where you think this would be a great place for a subdivision and they just simply say we can't afford to put up 200 more homes in our sewer um, you know system we just we don't have the, the capacity for that and that's stopping a lot of stuff around here in the triangle but i, but I thought they were doing where it is. i thought they were doing i heard what I'm saying is No, I understand. But I, so but where, I heard, where I, you would think you would naturally see another subdivision, it isn't going there because it might go a half a mile down the road in the other direction because that's where the capacity is. You know, so it's well, um, and that's what I think people have to understand. Well, you know, we've had community water uh, uh, heater, and I think it's one of the largest ones. I was one of them uh, that did the community water systems. But I heard in Raleigh. They were actually allowing septic, community septic systems, where instead of putting it into the system, the community, the, the, the uh, city system or county system, they were actually uh, doing the site on uh, systems. Is that am I wrong on that information? That's true. That's true. It's something, yeah, and it has to be fully approved. And right, I understand. Not a permits for but, that. But that should uh, really. Yeah, they're doing that. Okay. But that should give more opportunity, what we're talking about, in limiting where you could go, because uh, that would be an alternative not way only to that, solve it. Yeah, they're above ground. Yeah, I've and, seen I've seen them. Yep, and yeah, and so it's that's that's a new uh, technology that just, right. just you know like you've seen it advance many many times over. So it's it's fascinating to see that we're finding solutions for this. Sure, NC State has a lot to do with that with we're the power. Yeah. for a while. Yeah, NC State's had a lot to do with that. I've got a few friends up there in the environmental section and professors that I've interviewed over the years and trying to keep up with what's going on. So. Uh, the farm, I love the farm. I've never been there. I want to go sometime where they have all the different systems there and they do the research. You want to shift gears and let's talk about your trip to uh, to uh, the Global Urban Festival. I'm looking here. It looks like there's going to be about 22,500 delegates 
uh, industries, about 6,500 delegates, about 90 investors, about 300 companies, and of course all the uh, the uh, vendors. So. Uh, yeah, so this is a great, uh, great opportunity for me to attend uh, with the North Carolina Realtors Association with it this year. It's the, um, it's in uh, Con France, and um, terrible place. Yeah, we are, yeah, it's between it's four days. It's between March fifteenth, twelfth. Uh, I'm sorry, March twelfth through the fifteenth, and um, over there, and it, it's going to be it's the largest conference of um, real estate focused issues in the world, and. This, this year, they're dealing a lot with uh, the environment and housing, um, obviously, and, and housing that's affordable, uh, sustainability. They're trying to figure out how to react positively to changes in the real estate needs around the world. Um, you know, try to try to drive like global change, if you will, about building better. You know, building with better products. Um, you know, face-to-face discussions. I get you know a lot of. And bring some business back. Yeah, we're part of a delegation from North Carolina that is uh, stationed, if you will, in the uh, National Association of Realtors Pavilion at this uh, particular conference. And so I'll be working the floor, so to speak. There you go. Bring back some business. um, (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're we're going to we've got meetings set up already with several folks um, that are interested in um, the industries here in North Carolina industry, uh, as you know the. Uh, North Carolina, um, uh, I guess it's the ed- ed- um, well, I'm say Economic Development uh, you know, group of North Carolina actually puts together some great information that we'll take with us um, to help uh, you know, spread the good news about what's going on here in our state. We've got a lot of you know, things that are just happening. Mm-hmm. We just had a big major deal signed here from Japan, uh, you know, $200 million investment down mm-hmm. near the Sanford area for a pharmaceutical company and uh, for manufacturing. So a lot of good stories here in North Carolina. Well, Tommy, to take over I'm going to close us out with that good. I'm going to close us out with that good news. How do they get in touch with you? So you can reach me uh, pretty easily through Phoenix uh, Commercial uh, Properties website. Uh, but if you want to reach me email wise, uh, just Tommy T O M M Y at PhoenixCommercialNC.com, um, or you can always just uh, you know look up on the website there, Phoenix Commercial Properties. We're the only one here in North Carolina, and um, Great, informative show. Thank you for joining us today. Let us know how you like the show. All questions and comments are welcome. This show is for the public and most importantly for real estate agents who do not have a source for land education. All of our shows can be found on our our master website, letstalkland.net, Spotify, and Podbean. My email is lou at mylandpro.com. My cell phone number is 336-669-1405. Our company website is www.mylandpro.com. Com. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Land Hub, buying or selling land or farms. Land Hub is the place to be. And, of course, our good friends at Acre Value Board, they've got a site you need to check out. And a lot of stuff's on there is free. Rodney, how they get in touch with us here? Well, Lou, they can go to our website. Go to WKTE1090.com and check out all the programming we have throughout the week. We have programming? Yes. Really? All kinds of shows oh, happening boy. here. Yeah, and we only play what? Beach and oldies. Happy music. So if you That's want to be happy right. for the rest of your life, Get your right. good lady to dance with. Tune us in. There you tune it in. And also, if they'll download the what? Simple radio app. How simple is that? Pretty simple. Wow. Anybody can do it. And guess what happens when they do that and put in WKT in that app? That's right. They'll hear happy music and be happy. All over the world. All over the world. Anywhere. Yes. So you can listen to this show anywhere. Anywhere. Wow. Wherever you travel. And we won some nice awards. Yeah. Nine years in a row being the top beach and oldies radio station on the East Coast. That's Mississippi to Canada to the Keys. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. East Coast. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty That's pretty sharp. Mm-hmm. And you got one a nice award. Yeah. The uh, Announcer of the Year Award. Oh, boy. What a while. Mm. Well, anyway, we hope you enjoyed the show this morning, and we'll see you next week. God bless you, and have a good week. <laughs>